Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of the Selling Greenville podcast. Probably the greatest podcast ever. At least, that's what I think. And certainly, the greatest real estate podcast in Greenville, South Carolina, because we're one of the only, if for no other reason. But, uh, but yes, I think it's pretty great. Hopefully, you think it's pretty great, which segues right into, if you love the podcast, please give us a rating or a review and make sure you subscribe. Don't forget to download episodes as necessary and as needed. And if you need to reach me for any reason, if you're looking to buy or sell a house, or you know someone looking to buy or sell a house, or you want to discuss a podcast, all my contact information is always in the show notes. By the way, if you've never listened to this before and you just clicked on a uh, Apple link, you can listen to this on pretty much any other platform that's out there. We're on Audio Boom, Google Play, um, several others. I don't remember all of them that I that I send this out to. But just look up Selling Greenville. We're on a bunch of different platforms. Today, we are talking about fix and flips. Fix and flips. People, uh, thanks to HGTV, a lot of people are interested in flipping houses. It has become uh, a trendy thing over the past 10, 15 years. Um, But it's taken people a while to figure out the the standardization for it right because hgtv is very unrealistic um and it's taken a while for kind of the general market for all these people that you know learned about flipping houses from watching shows to figure out how to actually make money doing it today we're going to be talking about a very specific part of flipping a house which is being able to quickly identify what type of flip you're dealing with, and what that means. Because at the end of the day, it's rare that you can fully analyze a property in this market, in the seller's market, uh, prior to going under contract. In other words, you typically, prior to going under contract, you have to do a quick analysis and be very decisive. Because there's going to be a lot of other competition, a lot of other offers, offers that are as is with non-refundable earnest money deposits, all sorts of things, and you need to be able to be decisive and confident going in in your offer, in your purchase, in your numbers, and you might not have all of your numbers down to a T, but you need to at least have be able to form a general idea of what you're dealing with and what that's going to mean. So we're just going to talk today about a handful of stereotypical types of uh, fixer-uppers and what that means for you if you're looking to purchase them, how, how that impacts the way you evaluate the properties. So here we go. We're going to start with a term that I, I did not coin. This is a common term in the industry, but what we call lipstick flips. Now imagine that you're, you're going out to a party and you're already fully dressed, you have everything ready to go, you're ready to go to the party, all that you need is to put on your lipstick, and then you're good to go. You are out the door on your way to the party. That is the analogy of a lipstick flip. This is a house that is good to go in just about all ways possible. You just have to put some lipstick on the pig, so to speak. Um, It just needs cosmetic stuff. 
And and the two big cosmetic things, maybe you can say three, but but at least the two big ones are painting and flooring. If you want to add a third one in there, you could say cabinets and countertops. Maybe that's three and four. But those are those are are the big ones, painting and flooring. Every single house needs that, right? Every single house, that, I should say, that is uh, a flip possibility is going to need those two things. Those are going to be two major expenses that you'll always have to do. And a lipstick flip is one that doesn't need a whole lot beyond that. Maybe just a handful of small things, a few little tweaks, maybe an appliance here or there. But by and large, it just needs a little bit of lipstick and it's good to go. Now, what type of properties are typically going to be a lipstick flip type of property? Well, typically you've got um, the ones that are going to be predominantly less than 20 years old, such as in Five Forks or Greer, some of these areas where there's been a lot more development in the past 20 years. I've seen these types of flips uh, or or, uh, these types of properties come on the market in Taylor's, you know, with some of those brick ranches and the Taylor's area where maybe it's uh, an older person that's lived there for a really long time and they've kept really good care of, of the house, but it's just... All the cosmetic stuff needs to be improved. It's got wallpaper that needs to be taken down and replaced with paint, old, you know, linoleum flooring or whatever the case may be. Um, but those are generally the areas that you're going to find these. And and so a lipstick flip is is an interesting option from the standpoint of it's typically going to be kind of low risk, but also kind of low reward. Because typically there's going to be tons of competition for these types of properties because not only are investors potentially interested in it, but also people that are owner-occupants, they might even be able to get normal conventional financing. If all it needs is some cosmetic stuff, but the house is in good shape, you've got owner-occupants that for sure could get financing on that. And so they're going to be in the potential buyer pool for that property. And so you've got a lot of competition. So that's going to increase the price, the purchase price on the property, which means that your margins aren't going to be that great. But in theory, you can turn the property around pretty quickly, do the work really quickly, get it sold really quickly. And oftentimes, these properties tend to be in neighborhoods where the comps are really reliable. You're not taking a major risk. And so you know pretty much at the end of the day what you're going to end up with in terms of of your profit. And these types of flips are personally my favorite, mainly because in terms of of what I prefer, I really prefer the front end of the flipping process. I like finding properties. I like analyzing the numbers and doing all of that. I don't like the process of rehabbing them. That part is stressful for me. I don't enjoy that. It's not my favorite. So these properties that don't need a whole lot of rehab are really ideal for me. And I've flipped multiple properties over the years that fit this description. I'm uh, flipping one right now in my neighborhood that that fits this description. And uh, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I think I'm going to do quite well on that. And, uh, and yeah, and, and I'm happy about it. Really, the first thing that we did in that house is we started yanking out the flooring. Um, now we're painting. We're going to put new flooring back in there. We're probably going to paint some cabinets. Uh, There's still a few things that we need to assess, a lot of minor repairs, um, and so forth and so on. Um, But it's it's at the end of the day, it's probably going to end up being 
less than $15,000 worth of work, uh, which is great. That's when you're flipping a house, $15,000 is hardly anything. Um, And to be able to do that and still make good money, um, I'm pretty happy with that. And it's not a major headache at the end of the day. That to me is really important. So that's a lipstick flip. The next one down from that would be what, and this isn't as catchy of a name, but a major systems flip. So a major systems flip um, would have the cosmetic stuff. It's still going to need the flooring and the paint and all of that, but it's going to need some major systems to be overhauled. Uh, For instance, the roof. The roof might need to be replaced, the AC furnace, water heater, um, major things like that, maybe stuff in the crawl space, thing, you know, vapor barrier and moisture remediation, things like that. It's going to need some type of major work in a major area of the house. That's not structural or anything like that, but it, it's just going to need some type of an update like that. Now, these are probably out of all of them, the most common that you find. These are, you know, these pop up several per month, both on and off market. Um, But again, there's a lot of competition for these because you still have some owner occupants interested and they might not be able to get, you know, normal conventional financing, but they might be able to get 203K financing, uh, a renovation loan or something like that. Um, And so these are are tricky to find, like uh, like the previous, uh, the lipstick flip, they can be tricky to find ones that you can actually make money on when flipping. Uh, but there's enough of them that come through that if you know what you're looking for, you can find them, and you can flip them, and you can make money. Um, these are kind of, again, pretty low risk. They're, you know, There's not a whole lot that can go wrong when you're replacing an AC unit, as long as you know what to expect uh, in terms of the costs. Um, and, and the reward on them is probably going to generally be fairly low as well. It's very similar to the lipstick flip in that regard. I um, I flipped a house uh, that fits this description a few years ago. Well, actually, I um, I did what we call a wholetailing of this house, where I bought it from someone that was just trying to offload it, and I then took it and sold it to a flipper, and I made good money doing that, and then that flipper then went and did a bunch of things uh, to it, and then they listed on the market for, in my opinion, way too much, but who knows? Uh, I haven't checked to see recently if that sold because I saw it hit the market several months ago and it was just sitting on the market. Um, but if I had flipped it instead of just passing it on and, and making a, a quick buck, passing it on to a flipper, I would have done quite well with that. I probably would have made, uh, you know, I think probably like $80,000 worth of uh, of profit just based on what I was looking at in terms of, of what needed to be done. Maybe not quite that much, maybe closer to like 60, 70. Um, but that was one where, you know, it needed a new AC, needed a new furnace, needed new flooring and et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that's really important with these t- types of houses, as well as the lipstick flip type of houses is the size of the house. And honestly, this is an important consideration for all of these. Because in real estate, we always think from the standpoint that bigger is better, right? Because the bigger the house, the the more it's worth. But when you're flipping a house, a big house means more work, uh, more liability, more potential for something to go wrong. 
And really the ideal flips are uh, once you start getting into these ones that need more and more work, particularly are uh, ones that are smaller and maybe in some of these areas where, uh, you know, smaller homes sell really well, like Parkins Mill or Gower or, you know, Augusta Road area or North Main or, or you know, all, all of kind of those, uh, those general areas that we have in and around Greenville. Um, and so that's just something to keep in mind. Just because the house is, if you walk into a house and it's massive and it needs a ton of work, you have to understand that you have to budget for that. Um, yeah, it might be, it might be able to resell for a good price, but how long are you going to be working on that flip if it's uh, a really large property? That's definitely a factor because time is money when you're when you're talking about flipping houses. The next one on the list is the structural flips. And this is pretty self-explanatory. It has major structural issues in addition to the other things. And, and sometimes structural issues, I say major, but um, sometimes people can think structural issues are major when they're really not. Like if it just needs some piers, replaced or shored up in the foundation honestly that's really just minor but some people might consider that to be a major thing you know if the floors are all wonky in the house it will feel like the house is about to fall down but really it might just need a few a few piers to be replaced or maybe a few jacks to be put down there now if you need to uh, completely take out major beams and joists and all of that whether that's in the attic or in the crawl space or whatnot, now that can start becoming a lot more pricey. And so that's where it's really important with structural flips that you actually know what you're getting into. How big of a structural deal are we talking about? Because not all structural things are equal. A lot of structural things are really simple to fix, and you need to make sure that you understand the difference between a simple and a non-simple one. I, I had, you know, a situation not too long ago where some clients, they they had a contractor that, in my opinion, was just flat out lying to them that there were some cracks in the brick facade of the house, and that contractor was making a big deal that that house had a foundation problem. And I, I got an, another contractor to look at it, and one that I trust because my client, they were using their contractor, and I didn't like what they were... I, I just the vibe that they gave off, I just didn't trust them. And so I brought in someone that I trusted just to get a second opinion. And he thought that that was absolutely bogus. You know, we're talking about a house that was 50 years old and had very minor settling that was causing some cracks uh, in the bricks, uh, in the brick facade. And that brick facade, any good contractor will explain to you that, that that is not what is holding the house up. The framing of the house is what's holding the house up. That brick facade goes over the framing. And so these are all things that you have to keep in mind when you're assessing a, a structural um, a structural issue with the house. You also have to keep in mind that depending on what type of structural issue um, that it is that you're dealing with, you may actually have to account for things being damaged on the inside of the house. You know, if, for instance, if the floors are all wonky and I've been in houses where uh, one wall was higher than the other because, because of structural issues, you may have a situation where after you remedy those things, there might be all kinds of 
you know, flooring that gets messed up or drywall that gets messed up or the ceilings might get messed up. You need to account for all of that. Make sure that um, if there are, you know, if you're going to be really jacking things up that down below that you don't, pun intended, jack things up on the inside as well. All right. I didn't intend to say that. That just kind of rolled off my tongue. Um, where do, where can you find these types of properties? Well, there's a lot of these are, you know, the older, uh, mill houses in particular, but in, you get out into West Greenville or anywhere where there are older houses and you can find a lot of these. And a lot of these come on the market. Um, a good number of them are off market as well that have structural issues, probably more off market than on market, but you'll see some that come on the market oftentimes, uh, listed for way more than they should be. Um, but at some point, usually those sellers come down on their price. Um, and I've seen situations as well. You know, there was a home earlier this year that came on the market in Taylor's that had a tree fall on it. And we have a lot of neighborhoods with big trees. Um, and, you know, those houses, you know, a, a big old limb or a tree will fall on, on those houses and, and cause structural issues to those houses. Um, and so... There's a decent number. There's a handful of those per year that that we see that um, seem to have enough margin in them that you could flip. Um, as I said, oftentimes they are off market. Um, there there are a few that come on the market per year, um, but um, oftentimes you know there's a big market for these as well, and so that's just something to to keep in mind. I've had multiple clients put in bids on properties that fit this description and put in very good bids and not get them. So it's a hot market right now. And, and, uh, that's just something that you have to, to keep in mind. Now I bought a house like this, uh, last year in downtown Greer and I ended up, I I didn't do as well on this one as I wanted to, but I ended up similar to the house that I referenced before. I just passed it off to a flipper and uh, that flipper, I think, did very, very well on it. That house came on the market recently um, for like dramatically more um, than honestly than I would have thought. But that's just, you know, at the time that I sold it to him last year, we didn't see the market getting as crazy as it has. And, you know, downtown Greer has really done a lot of good things. And so I'm really happy for him. He's uh, he's really done well. With that house, um, I passed it off to him, and you know, in hindsight, that's one that um, if I had done it, that house came with a lot next door. I sold both of them off to to two separate people. Had I actually de- dealt with the headache, which I didn't want to, of completely rehabbing the house that had structural issues, and we're talking about major, major structural issues, like the house felt unsafe to be in. Um, had I done that and then built on the lot next door, I mean, I easily would have made over a hundred thousand on that, but that would have been very time intensive. Uh, it would have been a big headache. I didn't want to deal with that at the time. So I just passed it off, made a little bit of money and just kept moving. There is some value in doing that. Uh, but for people that are, that really enjoy the process of flipping and that have good good teams that can come in and out quickly and and that can kind of manage themselves. Um, Those types of projects 
that have the structural issues can be great projects that have a lot of money in them. And it just kind of depends. Uh, it depends on everyone's situation. And I think it's important part of this, part of the reason why I'm having this uh, podcast, this specific episode, is that not everyone is good at flipping the same types of houses. Some of us, you know, like myself, I've carved out a niche in for myself personally in some of those lower risk, lower reward properties. And I love that. I'm, I'm happy to do that. I'm not flipping 10 houses, 20 houses a year. And then the other structural ones and whatnot that come on the market, I have clients that like those and, and I can pass those to my clients and try to get them under contract for those. And so there are, this is how it all works. And then, you know, every now and then there will be uh, multiple lipstick type of flips that come on the market at the same time. And maybe I get under contract for one and then, you know, I have a client that goes under contract for another one. There's all kinds of things that can happen. Um, normally I try to give my clients first dibs on, on all of these properties to at least give them the opportunity. And then if they pass up on it, or if they're not as bullish about it as I am, then I'll put my foot forward. It all just kind of depends, but that's the balancing act that I do as both a realtor and an investor is I feel like it makes the most sense for me to try to avail my clients as much as possible on the opportunities that are out there. And then if my clients aren't interested, then I kind of jump in. But for the most part, when it comes to fix and flips, I'm focused more on the ones that aren't going to involve as much work because those are just the ones that I prefer. Now, after structural flips, we've got the complete overhaul flips. And these need the full package, new electrical, new plumbing, new HVAC, new roof, etc. They need a little bit or a lot of everything. And these obviously tend to be uh, in the areas that have the, the oldest houses. Really, um, any of these major structural ones tend to be in areas that have old houses, by which I mean 50, 60, 70 years old. Um, particularly in the mill areas around Greenville and Taylor's. That's where you're going to generally find these uh, these types of houses. And Deneen and Judson and Mills Mill and Brandon Mills, Taylor's Mill, all these different areas in and, and around them. Um, usually a decent number of these come on the market per month. And every now and then there will be one that, that comes on the market and it's overpriced and it just kind of sits there for a period of time and Sometimes there are opportunities to lowball those. It just kind of depends. Obviously, these are higher risk, but oftentimes they come with a higher reward. You might have a possibility to break in on a street in an area that's transitioning very quickly. Those mill areas that I'm talking about, some of those cover are in opportunity zones. Some of those are... Um, you know, being revitalized, getting getting uh, city and county money pumped into them. Well, most mostly city, um, and and there's so there's all kinds of things that's happening right now that can impact the upside of a flip. Um, but generally, these are these have more upside than oftentimes in some of the others just by virtue of the fact that they're going to be in these areas that are being revitalized. And uh, I've got a client right now that's under contract for one of these and it you know it's going to need 
a little bit of everything. But I mean, it's on a street that is completely changing in an area that's completely changing in Greenville. And I think he's going to end up doing quite well on it. I think that there's probably, you know, 60, 70,000 hours of, of margin there when it's all said and done. But it's a little bit tricky on the front end to estimate what it will all cost because, you know, you can't get accurate quotes on every single item. We're talking about tearing down drywall all throughout the house, taking the whole house down to studs, rewiring, replumbing, uh, re, you know, doing new ductwork, doing literally everything except for uh, reframing the house. And, you know, I, I don't know if maybe the siding might be kept. We'll have to see. Um but it's going to be a lot of work. And so there's a lot of projecting and, and a lot of going off of your gut of like, you know, okay, I think I can keep this to this project to under this amount. Um, and so it's a, it's a higher upside, but it's a higher risk as well, because you don't know what you can run into in that situation. The final um, example, the final type of fix and flip is a teardown, what we call a teardown. Um, and usually the main difference between a teardown and the last category, the complete overhaul, is with a complete overhaul, the structure framing of the building is in, is in good shape. Structurally, for the most part, you know, it might need some foundation work. It might need some, some roof work or whatever. But generally speaking, the framing is in good shape. Whereas a teardown, the house is kind of like collapsing on itself. And I just saw one of these recently and I didn't even, I was not even willing to step into the house. It was just like, you know what? I, I don't know if, if the floor is going to cave in. I don't know if the walls are going to cave in. I'm just not even going to take the risk. Um, these are almost exclusively on the west side of Greenville. City View, Sansucci, um, you know, you, you get over there into Deneen and Judson and, and Welcome and park you even some parts of uh north uh, north of downtown greenville like park place or bruton town um you'll see these types of properties over there as well and um again basically you just have to bulldoze down the house and just kind of start over and really for these there there can be opportunity for these because you're starting over, so you literally are going to be building brand new construction, which really can have appeal to people. Now, the key is, will it be the first new construction on the street? I I prefer not to, you know? I prefer, if you're doing new construction, for there to have already been uh, some done on the street. And so, uh, last year, I bought a house in an area like this, right near... Um, right now, uh, right near Greenville Memorial Hospital, that um, it was it was a teardown for sure, but it was right next to two homes that were new construction. And again, this is one because just my profile for the homes that I, that I like and that I want, um, I didn't want to have to take on that whole project. And so I just flipped that on to someone and just made you know, like a, a little bit of money, like 15000 something like that. Flipped it on to, to another investor. And I don't even know if he started on the project yet, but at some point that house just needs to be torn down 
and just new construction put up and there's already new construction on that street so he's he's in real good shape the the model has already been proven to be true um, that you can build new construction and, and make good money on that street and so whenever he decides to do that um, he's gonna be in good shape and and so that's can be a really good option as well the key is you have to realize that you're not saving that much and and you could end up spending more on a property like that versus just buying a lot and just building on a lot and so you have to keep all of that into consideration it might make more sense to just buy a lot and just build on that versus buying a lot that has a house that needs to be bulldozed down bulldozing the house down and then building a new house on top of the foundation it just kind of it depends on a lot of things and ultimately it just it just comes down to numbers but this is the thing is that each of us we have a different profile each of us that are into flipping houses we have a different profile for a house that we prefer and at the end of the day it's not like hgtv hgtv almost exclusively deals with the first two categories those lipstick flips and those major systems flips and then they'll try to make it look like oh it's a major structural thing you know oh you know i saw one recently where there was like termite damage in a really small section of the house come on i've seen termites go up into the walls into the framing of the house and destroy the entire house from the inside um a little bit of termite damage in one corner of a house that's not a structural problem give me a break um but this is the way it is on television. You just have to understand that. But in real life, there's a lot more that can go wrong. And really, it comes down to your risk tolerance, your confidence in your contractors, your confidence in your yourself and your ability to assess a property. And then me as a realtor, I always try to provide really good feedback and really honest feedback to my clients as well. I'll run comps for them. I'll tell them, I'll give them a range, and I'm usually very accurate on my range on on what a property is after repair value, what we call the ARV. Um, I take great pride in that. I put a lot of research into that before I, you know, send an ARV to a client. And so I consider myself, or or I try to try to make myself an essential part of a team for the flippers that um, that are working with me and that are using me as their realtor and I've got experience in this so I know what I'm looking at and I know basically I can basically assess the property on my own and then my client needs to assess it and and we can compare notes and then go from there but I try to understand the types of of properties that profile for my client and then I send them those types of properties and that's kind of that's kind of how it works and that's the beauty of doing this is that there's a subjectivity to it and as I get to know my clients better the ones that are investors I can send them better and better houses that are more closely fit their criteria and hopefully if you're listening to this and you could use a realtor that understands investment that understands flipping houses you're going to go to my show notes and you're going to look at my contact information you're going to shoot me a text or give me a call or send me an email. I'd love to talk to you. And uh, and I love talking to all you guys, regardless of whether you're investors or not. So keep my information handy. I'm always available. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. 
and stay safe. We got past all that rain this past uh, weekend that blew up from the hurricane. I think we're going to have some nice weather here for the next little bit. Let's enjoy it, and let's have a good rest of October.